everybody. We're back. It's Avoiding the Puddle. I'm here, as usual, with the lovely MYK. What's up, Mike? How you doing? I'm good. What's up, Barris? Everything's going all right. I got a little frog in my throat, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I've been catching... I've been getting a little sick, too, so... It's that, oh, it's that post-tournament... You know, I don't know what... Ebola. Every... <laughs> oh, it's like post-tournament. Everyone always gets sick. I don't know what it is, but yeah, you know, everything's cool. You know, we had a... We had an interesting weekend last weekend, a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, MLG had its uh, national final, or whatever it was called, uh, and it was a very unpredictable outcome, so we got a lot of stuff to talk about today, but before we move on, I wanted to quickly cover some of the uh, future of this podcast. Um, as most of you may know, there we are <clears throat> on the cusp of a couple of very big... Tekken-related games, and that is Tekken Tag Tournament 2 and uh, Tekken Cross Street Fighter, as well as uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. So we have a few Tekken-related games coming out, and uh, in um, in the light of those games coming out, uh, I have a lot of ideas for content for you guys, and what I want to do is, in the future, I want to, uh, we're going to create a new website, and we're going to have a lot of information, content, and a lot of stuff for you guys to check out on that website, so we're working on it, and eventually this podcast will move to that website, and, uh, you know, everything will stay the same in terms of format and everything, but I just want to give everyone a heads up. Keep your eyes open, because in the future, we got a lot of dope Tekken-related shit coming your way, and it's, uh, you know, it's right, in, right on time for all this, uh, you know, all these big games coming out uh, in the Tekken world. But that being said, I wanted to move on a little bit and talk about MLG. First of all, let me ask you, Mike, uh, tell me, uh, what, is, uh, what are your thoughts? What did you gather from that tournament? Uh, what are the interesting things that transpired to you? Um, wow, I mean, there's <laughs> interesting things. I mean, there's a ton of stuff, so I'll talk about that later. I mean, for me personally... Uh, you know, it was a blast being able to go out there. You know, big shout outs to, uh, Check Six Gaming for sending me out. Um, hmm, and other than that, it was, uh, it was a fun tournament. I mean, um, everything you'd probably expect, but, uh, very unexpected outcome, as you said. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was a blast just seeing, like, that many people. It was kind of interesting, too, when, uh, when you see Sundance come up on stage and give, uh, you know, Anakin the check. We, yeah. And it's like, it's like, everybody's like, I don't know, I kind of see like, this blank expression on everyone's faces, like, oh man, it's the last one, it's like, no one wants to go home, and... Yeah, uh, on that topic, actually, he went, I don't know what that guy's name is, his name is Sundance? Yeah. Well, okay. Sundance, uh, the thing, uh, at the end, he gave a speech about thanks for, every, you know, thanks everybody for coming out and all that shit, and then he said, see you guys next season. So I don't... I, I thought he said something like, uh... Uh, help us improve. Uh, tell us know what we could do to improve next season. Everybody would just start look, looking at each other in yeah. the room, and it's like, what did you just say? Yeah, I don't know if that was just generally speaking, like MLG will have a next season, or if they're going to pick up Tekken again. This is all, you know, none of this has been confirmed yet, but it would be very interesting uh, if, um, you know, Tekken got another season of MLG. I mean, though personally, I'm not the biggest fan of MLG overall as a tournament, but... I do know that it's great for the scene and for the community, so... Really? What, uh, what, what don't you like about MLG? <clears throat> well, um, there are multiple things I don't like about that tournament. Uh, mm. One of which is that it's not ran by the community and it's heavily influenced by sponsors. So, 
I mean, just personally, you know, me being like a dick and talking all this shit and like, you know, insulting people and stuff, you know, you gotta be careful over there. You can't say whatever you want. And I don't really like that, you know. Uh, I've, you know, I've said it before, you know, um, censorship is not a part of the arcade culture. And you won't find anyone getting kicked out for cursing at Evo or, you know, any legitimate tournament like that. But I do understand that, you know, for a game to get popular, it has to be censored in some way. So, I mean, that's okay. You know, I, I attended Dallas. I just intentionally stayed away from every camera. <laughs> I mean, people were like, oh, let me, let me get a on-camera interview with you or whatever. I was like, nah, man, can't do it, dude. I'm, I'm just going to get my ass kicked out, so... You know, um, it was good. It was interesting. I think, for me personally, the best part of Dallas was meeting so many people that I haven't met before, but I've known of, um, mm -hmm. including Anakin. Um, but it was just really interesting kind of meeting a lot of these people, most notably um, Eddie Pistons. <laughs> tell you. The lotions. Got to put the lotions. <laughs> Eddie Pistons is, is one of my, now one of my favorite Tekken players of all time. He is just hilarious, and he was talking so much shit and getting so hype. Um, I actually recorded a trash bag match, which I didn't even know what it was. But oh, really? <clears throat> I guess a trash bag match in Texas is you play a first to whatever set, and the loser has to wear a trash bag. And it's not just like wearing a trash bag. They cut armholes and <laughs> a hole for your head, and it has like shoulder pads like fucking M. Bison and shit. <laughs> it is really funny, and so I recorded, uh, let me see, who was it, Neo X against Fab, and Fab put Neo X in a garbage bag, and it was pretty hype, it was pretty funny, so, you know, I had a lot of fun, we did a lot of laughing, and, you know, there was a lot of really funny things that happened, uh, big shout out to Gio, uh, he, man, he drank so, this guy, for those of you who don't know who Gio is, this guy's like, at least 400 pounds, and he's all muscle. He looks like a fucking American gladiator and shit. And <laughs> this guy's huge, right? This fool gets so drunk that next thing we know it, he's passed out in the middle of the kitchen, and his, like, corpse is occupying the whole kitchen floor, and it looks like a fucking crime scene. So Eddie Christens <laughs> grabs his camera, and he starts taking photos and shit like it's a fucking crime scene and putting little letters and shit up like it's CSI <laughs> Dallas and shit. It was starts talking his outline. <laughs> really hilarious. I mean, it was just so much fun. And everyone was afraid to wake up Gio because he's so big because everyone thought he was just going to do like a wake-up lariat and fuck everyone up, you know? <laughs> everyone was like poking him with sticks and shit from far away. It was really funny, but, you know, it was a good time. A lot of good Tekken, a lot of uh, good uh, friendships were made and it was, it was really interesting and um, I enjoyed myself, but other than all that personal stuff, I mean... Anakin, dude, what the hell? What the hell? Speaking of which, he's on the show later. We got him. The elusive Vietnamese ninja and the defender of the United States. He's going to yeah. be on the show later, and I'm going to I'm going to talk to him a little bit about uh where the hell he came from and shit. But what do you think of that, Mike? Um, what do you mean? Like how he played Jack or his performance at MLG? Everything. Or? I mean, where I mean, are you stunned that he came out of nowhere and just kicked the shit out of the Koreans or what? Um, in a way, I am, but at the same time, it's like, man, I, I don't know. I always thought like Jack had some major potential. I know it's good saying that uh, a Jack player was actually, you know, able to do that to the fullest. 
Yeah, it's it was very interesting. Um, and you were saying the Koreans had a lot to say about him. Oh, man, dude, like, man, I don't know, like, if they'll be upset if I said it, but like, yeah, they were pretty upset losing to the to Anakin. Really? Like, like Nin was telling me that, uh, you know, it's like if there's one person I hate losing to the most, it's people that say they don't play or don't practice because we put in like a lot of hours and a lot of practice to get good, and it's like. I don't know, it's like losing to Anakin, and he says he doesn't even practice, it's like the biggest slap in the face, you know? Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's understandable, I, I can imagine. He puts a lot of time in, and you know, he's Nin, you know, so, I can imagine. And also, I overheard that um, JDCR and Adung, since this was the first time they had come to America... Oh, yeah, yeah, Nin was telling me that... uh Nin was telling me that the younger two Koreans that came, you know, JCI and Adang, was, Nin told me that uh, they're too cocky, you know, they they think that this is going to be really easy and then you'll see what happens. And I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not going to be easy for them. And then I think, like, after day one, J- like, I think Bronson asked uh, Adang and JDCR what they thought so far because they were still in winners, right? And they were like, oh, easy, easy, so easy. Really? Yeah, and then next day, you know, they just get their shit kicked in, so it's like, you know, I can't take everything so easily. <laughs> yeah, do you know who beat um, JDCR? <laughs> you know, the one person that actually put both of them in losers is actually Naps, so Naps is the wow. savior. <laughs> and then who else? Mm, who took them out? Yeah, who took them out? Uh, they actually met up in the losers. Uh, JDCR beat yeah. uh, Adong in losers, and then I believe Fab beat uh, JDCR later. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of crazy matches, and uh, it was very interesting. And um, as far as personally, I I learned a lot about my gameplay uh, at MLG, and this is another thing that I, you know, it's not that I really don't like it about MLG, but it's just something that I'm not used to is the the three out of five, you know, instead of two out of three. And what's funny is, I started playing and I was doing really well. And then um, I started to realize after my first loss to Av Kazama, I, I I lost to him. And then I was going through the losers bracket and I was playing a lot of good players like Trungi and uh, Geo, and I was playing all these different players. And then you would always win the first two or something? Yeah, I would win every single time. The only match this didn't happen was Bronson. But I played a shitload of matches, and every time I would go up two games, and then I would just fall asleep. And I don't know what the hell would... I don't know what was up with that. Like, I ran out of gas. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you mean on that one. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand uh, what the issue is. I mean, I know my whole life I've been strategizing for two out of three... And that's how I think, you know. I, I it's just been the tournament standard for so long, you know. It's it's really weird to switch out of that mode. <clears throat> yeah, that is true. And and what's funny is the way I realized that this was an issue for me is while I was playing Trungi, and I beat him two games, and then I was ha- like struggling a little bit. Someone from the background who was, you know, there was a bunch of people yelling, cheering for him and stuff. Someone was like, "Oh, yo, Eris doesn't know how to do this three out of five bullshit," you know. And I was like. I was playing, and I was like, damn, dude, that guy's right. <laughs> I don't know how to play this three out of five shit. Dude. I, I totally thought that while I was playing. It's like, fuck, man, that guy is totally right. You know, and I was like, you know, I pulled through, and I, I managed to get top eight in the main tournament, which put me in the top 16 bracket with the championship, whatever the hell it was. And, you know, it was kind of goofy, the format and everything, and, 
know, I learned a lot, but I don't know about this 3 out of 5. I personally hope it doesn't become a tournament standard, um, but that's just personally speaking. I know a lot of people like it. Um, so you don't you don't think it's that great, or what? What's your opinion on it? Um, you know, at first I thought it would be, like, really good, you know, to figure out uh, your opponent and stuff like that, you know, the general consensus of what people think uh, 3 out of 5 is. Mm-hmm. But... I started realizing that I would win the first of two every time, and then I would start losing, and I'd be like, what the hell's going on, you know? It's like, it's like I guess I only have juice for two games, and I don't even realize it or something. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I felt like after those first two games, I would struggle so much, and I didn't know. Yeah, it's, it feels like, oh, man, I already beat them, you know? It's like, it's over. But it's Yeah, like, it does feel that way in a sense. I'm, psychologically, you're like, okay. Subconsciously or something. It's like, you don't even realize it, but it's like, I know I have to play one more game, but it's like, yeah, yeah I think I already won, but no, I didn't, but what is, what's going on? Why are we going to another game, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It's something to uh, definitely think about, at least for me. I'm going to uh, ponder that, but at least I'm glad that it's not the tournament standard um, as of right now, so... The next thing I wanted to talk about, which was also interesting, and we kind of knew about it, was they showed new Tag 2 footage at MLG. And um, it looked pretty fucking crazy. Like All the tag throws and the tag breaks? Yeah. The tag throws and stuff was just hype. Like, yeah. that shit looked tight. And then it showed uh, tagging by the wall where they jump in from the ceiling, which was interesting. Um, but the thing that was ridiculous was... The charged unblockable from Jin, while uh, Asuka does. Yeah, that shit was crazy. Like, Asuka hits a wall splat, tags in Jin, he starts charging his unblockable, and then she does down back through, uh, down back 4 4 4 3 or whatever. And during that wall juggle, Jin charges his all unblockable and hits. So, they're gonna need to scale the shit out of that or something. You know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're gonna do it. It looks like right now. Just from watching it, either there's going to be six buttons, where one of the buttons will be a tag button that's traditional, the other and tag assist button, button. Well, maybe not an assist button, but you push this tag button to... It's like a tag assist, like combo assist. Yeah, like they, they come in the screen and then you you control that character momentarily before you control your other character. Yeah, it's really weird how, how, how it goes, because it seems like both characters are doing moves at the exact same time, so it's like... What, yeah. what input do you press at where it's, you know? Yeah, it's either going to be six buttons, or it could be something like where you push the tag button, and while you're holding the tag button down, you do the commands for the character that's not your point character. And, you know, it, it, either way, it's going to make for some crazy button combinations and some seriously uh, complex combos. So... But I can't imagine them doing that, like, outside of combos, though, or you'd be doing, like, the craziest mix of, you know, high, mid, low at the same time, and you can't do anything about it. Yeah, who knows? Who knows how it's going to work? Um, it does look interesting to me, especially the tag throw break. That looks fucking <laughs> hilarious. Fucking Armor King comes in, it's like, no, don't get it, <laughs> He just, like, pushes you down, and then <laughs> like, no. over their head. That shit was really funny, and, uh... It was interesting. Some of the stuff that was said, uh, you know, there was like an interview and Harada was talking and stuff. The one thing he did say that really I didn't like was they're looking into the possibility of being able to escape a tag combo 
once or twice a game. Oh, uh, like a cobble breaker. Like that fucking stupid shit they have in uh, Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear and all those other games. Like that Mega Crash and Yeah, yeah that that is not gonna cut it for me. There's that is the you know people say it adds depth and you can bait it. That is the easiest way to add depth, and it's so shitty. Just having a combo breaker. Combo breakers in fighting games just are not a good thing, in my opinion, and they never have been. Um, so hopefully that is not the case. Uh, I hope there isn't some co- kind of like meter or something governing this combo breaker, because that would not be cool. But other than that, uh, it looks very interesting. Um, it, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I'm I'm interested because I like the way Harada is kind of. This is the first Tekken that they're openly showing the progress. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've been asking, uh, you know, the players what they think, and yeah. you know, they've been asking, answering questions on, you know, Twitter or in person and stuff. So now, you know, to the average person, this may not be that um, big of a deal, but you have to think about it this way: the reason he's doing that, and the reason this is the first Tekken that's doing that, is because that is what Ono does with Street Fighter and Street Fighter is successful. And as I've been saying for a long time now, there's something special about the Street Fighter formula that needs to be examined and copied. And hopefully, Harada and Michael Murray and everyone on the Tekken team are really trying to um, replicate the formula of the Street Fighter 4, you know, fighting game. Because, you know, that is a successful fighting game, and... There is no reason why you shouldn't really examine that. And hopefully they're looking into this in all aspects. And, you know, they're being open with the community about the development of the game. And, you know, this, this is all, these are all good signs. Very good signs. You know, what's interesting, too, is that uh, I, was ta- um, I was translating for Ni and Nin for, uh, to Harada and Michael Murray, right? And uh, that's one of the things that Nin said as well. He was saying, like, Tekken needs something flashier just to appeal to players because... You know, Nin does all that broadcasting and Tekken Crash and, like, Tekken over the internet streaming, broadcasting stuff now, apparently. So, he was saying, like, after a while, Tekken just seems boring, so it needs some, like, flashy Ultra thing or something, I don't know. Not, not like, add an Ultra combo in there, but, you know, something make it flashier or prettier just to appeal to the crowd. I agree. I totally agree. Um, you know, you don't want to blatantly just copy Ultras, but Tekken does need something to make it... Um, visually more appealing even though it is appealing right now it has sparks and but it's like to to the average you know like let's say street fighter viewer or something tekken just looks boring in comparison <laughs> fucking time doesn't freeze every time someone goes into an ultra on the screen blacks out and stuff yeah yeah that's definitely true um yeah it's something to look into hopefully uh you know uh tag tag throws and stuff look pretty hype so yeah they do you know, and and the tag juggles look pretty hyped too. So, you know, we'll see we'll see how that comes uh, comes together and stuff. Um, but I do like that they're showing this stuff and it's available to the community. And you know, it's not top secret anymore. You know, it's yeah. not like we have to wait for fucking E three just to get a picture of Kazuya or a picture <laughs> of Jin. And like, we have no idea what the game's gonna be like until it comes out. You know, so you know, this is a very good. Uh, trend, and I hope they keep following it. I'm interested in that, so... Anyway, um, moving on, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about that <clears throat> it's kind of interesting to me. Um, for those of you who don't know, the the last MLG 
or actually two MLGs ago, which I think was Washington, D.C., there was some controversy with a couple of Super Smash Brothers players uh, rigging the, you know, the grand finals and splitting the pot. Um, and they were banned from the Dallas uh, final. And, you know, this got me thinking about pot-splitting ethics and stuff like that. And, you know, on the one hand, I think to myself, like, yo... You know, it's this guy, it's their money, you know, they could do whatever the hell they want with it. But then on the other hand, it's like, oh, well, you don't want to compromise the integrity of the tournament by having these two players just botch the grand final and just fuck around the whole time, you know? Yeah. So, it's kind of difficult. What do you think about this, Mike? I mean, uh, should it be completely illegal to throw a match to an opponent or, the, you know, stuff like that? You know, I, I think that kind of stuff is kind of ridiculous in the same sense because, like, let's say, I think I, I believe it happened already, and uh, in one of the MLGs, I don't know which one it was, but uh, um, I believe I'm not. I don't want to say any names, but there were two players from uh, upstate New York, and they had to play each other very early on in the bracket. But the other one of them couldn't come for the Saturday part of the tournament, so he. He beat one of his friends in the winner's bracket, and then he lost the next game on purpose because, you know, obviously he can't come the next day. But what are they going to do about that? I mean, are they going to ban him from the next event for not being able to show up on the Saturday portion? But Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of um, a slippery slope. It's like, what are you going to enforce, you know? I mean, I mean if they want to take the loss, it's, I think it's their decision, but... Um, you know, obviously, like, pot splitting and grand final, that's, like, a different aspect than, you know, not showing up for the second half of the tournament. But in the same sense, they're, if they want to, I mean, if they got to that level, I mean, they got up that high and beat everybody else, you know, what what can anybody else say, you know? That is true, and I do agree with you. I mean, it is their money. They're at that level. If they decide they want to split the pot, that's fine. But there has been a major issue in the past with people not playing the grand final to, you know, their fullest. And yeah, I mean, I guess it always seems like an insult to people when they, you know, when they just fuck around in the grand finals, but um, in my opinion, they should just play it out. I mean, if they were going to split it anyways, why not just give them a show or something, right? I, I do agree with you. I think that, um, you know, it's the player's money, and they're allowed to do whatever the fuck they want to do with it because they earned it. It's mm -hmm. their money. But... Anyone who's splitting the pot or whatever should always, always put on uh, as as good of a show as they possibly can because you're really insulting the people who provided you with the winnings that you just split. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, there's people there, many, many people go to a tournament and, and pay the entry fee for multiple reasons, and one of those reasons is to provide a pot for some excellent players so that they can view a grand final, you know? Mm -hmm. And if they don't get that, you know, that's really kind of like a slap in the face. So I am, in, <clears throat> in a sense, I am uh, supportive of the pot splitting thing. If, you know, if you want to split the pot with someone, that's perfectly fine. But I think it's really important to... Play at your fullest. I mean, why not? I mean, there's no one else to worry about at that point, so... I, I, I think that's... The only problem is there's really no way to police this. I mean, how are you going to be like, yo, this guy isn't trying as hard as he should try? You know, <laughs> it doesn't really work. So, I don't know, maybe this is one of those things that the tournament organizers should perhaps um, not intervene with, and it should be like a loose ban, 
You know, it was pretty interesting. I think I, I read up on the story. I'm, I didn't, I'm not 100% accurate on it, but, uh, I think, I think the way they found out how they, uh, you know, split the pot and rigged grand finals was that, uh, someone talked to one of the guys over AIM and was like, oh, this guy, this guy cheated. <laughs> we gotta ban him now. It's like, they didn't even find out at the tournament, you know, they found out a couple of days afterwards. Well, I mean, what, is that even cheating? I don't understand the logic there. I mean, what, if, if none of the crowd knew that, you know, they weren't trying to their hardest. I mean, why is that an, even an issue? Why were they banned? I don't understand that. You know, what is the problem? They played the grand final, nobody knew any better, and afterwards they decided, yo, you know, like, let's split this pot and whatever. It's my fucking money, I want it. So I don't understand why that's an issue. And this is another thing I'm talking about. This is why um, MLG it gets so complex and it gets so, like, Weird, you know why? Why do these rules have to be so uh, cut and dry? You yeah, know? uptight. <laughs> yeah, uptight. Yeah, that really is the the only way to uh, the only adjective to use. I mean, some of the people that were getting docked rounds and stuff for being like five minutes late. You know, mm -hmm. I understand that they're running a tournament and it needs to be, uh, you know, it needs to be on time and everything, but it, is it really necessary to be like Nazis about it and like you know you're Point one seconds late. That's you lost the game. <laughs> lost the game. And they're, you know, if they're, you know, they're trying to be punctual. They're trying to run their tournament on time. But you know, there's several open stations everywhere. And no, the, I mean every every in between round, there's always like, you know, every station's open for free play anyway. So it's like, yeah. really, is this guy being five minutes late really that big of a deal? I mean, yeah. everyone's gonna have free play right afterwards anyway. So absolutely. And you know what's funny is. I'm the one that's always like, yo, tournament it needs to start at this time, hurry the fuck up, this machine has two people on deck, I'm always the one that's like, let's hurry this shit up. But even I, being a very punctual person when it comes to tournaments, even I think it's excessive to just be like, yo, this fool has five minutes left, or his ass is out of here, you know, it's like, come on, you know, is that really necessary, you have all fucking day, you know... I don't know. That that's one of the aspects of the MLG uh tournament that it's kind of it's kind of peculiar to me and I guess it takes getting used to for me, but there are many many uh parts of that series of tournaments that is that are very uh good for the community. So I do hope that they pick it up again and um I will definitely try to attend again. Uh it was really interesting watching people around me like I would say something that totally could get me kicked out. And then, like, they would just be like, yo, dude, keep your shit down, dude. They're going to kick your ass out of here and stuff. It was really funny, but got to see a lot of cool people, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, speaking of uh, big tournaments, I want to uh, stress to the people listening to this that because MLG, the season has ended, um, right now is a very, um, like, a very important time for the Tekken community. Because if, if everybody just falls asleep and is like, whatever, MLG's over... Uh, it's going to be really bad. We're going to be in a drought. So I want everyone to stay sharp and keep keep tournaments going in your area and, you know, keep attending major tournaments. There are a bunch of major tournaments coming up, first of which is happening right now as we speak. Uh, in France, um, I think, who, if, who from America is there? Uh, Bronson, Just, Just Frame James, Rip, Filthy, Filthy Rich, and one other. Gamble, Fab. Way gamble, really? 
I believe I heard that he was going. Yeah, and I know Fab is going, so we got a bunch of Americans. We're invading France, and uh, I know Sunship and Malgu are going. They're those <laughs> players. Big grudge this, match against Just Rain Games. And yeah, I saw so. that, dude. I saw this video <laughs> Malgu. It's really funny because uh, they they called J- James out on uh because uh, he th- he answered an interview question on sttekken.com, huh. and then James replied as oh you know someone asked James like what do you think is gonna happen if you and J- uh, Margo had to play in a money match or in a tournament or something like that and then James said oh I don't know I don't think Margo's very good <laughs> but uh, I guess we'll see or when we play or something like that and then Margo was like what the hell did he do? <laughs> Dude, I really, uh, <laughs> I hope that James cleans his clock. That would be really funny, but who knows? He's probably really good, you know, so. Yeah. We'll see. That's happening right now. Good luck to all our American uh, troops we sent out there. Hopefully, uh, hopefully yeah, hopefully we'll defend. Um, and, oh, yeah, that's another thing. Speaking of top three, MLG Dallas, no Koreans. I mean, there was, what, five Koreans and one Japanese. No foreign players were in the top three. So, congrats to uh, America for successfully defending our country. Um, And as I was saying, tournaments going on. There's that French tournament going on right now. Good luck to all the faggots over there right now. Then there's NorCal Regionals on the 20th of November. Anyone in this area, go out there. It's always a good time. Uh, NorCal really throws great tournaments. Uh, There's Northeast Championship, uh, December 4th. Everyone who's on the East Coast, check that out. Uh, And then there's final round in March uh, in Atlanta, and I think that this final round will definitely be pretty hype because a lot of people want to go to Atlanta to see what's up with this Anakin guy, you know, so I think uh, everyone should keep their eyes open for that um, that tournament, and uh, other tournaments too, I'm sure I'm missing a shitload, so, you know, keep your eyes open, you know, continue to go to tournaments and support the Tekken scene, and as I said earlier, we're going to have, um, you know, a lot of content coming for you guys and some new... Uh, some new shit that you guys haven't seen before, so keep your eyes peeled. Um, and on that note, I want to move on to just cover a couple questions that were asked, uh, and then we can move on to the uh, interview with Anakin. Uh, by the way, I don't think he likes to be called Anakin. I think he was named that, like, when he was a kid and shit, but whatever, I'm going to call him that anyway. Um, anyway, so a couple questions. Uh, Malice was actually commenting on, um, because I came, I personally came from Soul Calibur 2, uh, and a Soul Calibur background to Tekken, and he was actually commenting and asking about what other players, uh, who are very successful in Tekken have come to, from a Soul Calibur background, um, and that got me thinking, and it really doesn't seem like there's any as far as I know, I mean, can you think of any Soul Calibur players who are good Tekken players now, Mike? No. Yeah, um, me too. I was. <laughs> I, I. It's not even like close, right? I can't even think of any. Yeah. So that got me thinking. Like, what happened to all the Soul Calibur players? Well, first of all, back in the day, back in Soul Calibur two, um, almost all of the top Soul Calibur players, with the exception of myself and a couple of other very uh, specific players, almost everyone came from Tekken. So, for sure we know that Tekken players can transition into Soul Calibur and be successful. I know that for sure. The other way around, pretty much. The other way around, for some reason, 
there are very few. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of Soul Calibur players that play Tekken, but I'm talking about people that are top, like people that are successful. Yeah, recognizable. Yeah, yeah you know, um, I, I can't really think of very many. I, I don't understand what the deal is. I mean, I, I have said in the past that I think Soul Calibur is a much simpler game uh, as far as dexterity and, like, you know, having to do difficult inputs and stuff, Soul Calibur is, like, really easy. I mean, it's just like, yo, this guy's ducking BB, and he's sidestepping AA. You know, it's, like, real simplified um, at its core. It does have a lot of fluff, and it does have a lot of, you know, ways to complexify it, but at its core, it's very simple, and Tekken is not nearly as simple as that at its core. Um... But I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, can do you have any explanation on why you think caliber players don't transition well? I mean, I don't really know because I I'm, I don't really have very much uh, insight personally with the, the Soul Caliber series because I've never really played Soul Caliber other than uh, a little bit of four when it just came out, and I was like, yeah, this game is not that fun. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, well, Soul Caliber four actually is not as easy to transition to from Tekken as Soul Calibur 2 was. When Soul Calibur 2 came out, almost every Tekken player that was still alive was playing uh, you know, Soul Calibur 2, and many of which many of those players ended up being top players. Um, so for some reason, the system now in Soul Calibur is not very easy to even like for a Tekken player, let alone good at. But yeah, I don't know what the deal is. I mean, maybe if, if people listening have any uh, comments on this, I'm, I'm very curious as to what your explanations are uh, to why Soul Calibur players are unable to become top Tekken players. You know, are, are, you, are you asking a dead Soul Calibur scene right now to <laughs> answer some questions? Well, no. I, the thing is, I know that there are Soul Calibur players that play Tekken. I know that's true. But what, what I'm wondering is, why is it that these top Soul Calibur players from across the country are unable to be top players in Tekken? What is the problem? And that's one thing I was thinking about, and that's one thing I'm curious about. So if anyone has any answers for that, you know, shoot some comments over, and, uh, you know, I'm very interested in what you guys think. And um, the other thing, that I, the other quick question I wanted to ask is, uh, this guy, Guy LaDouche, Gila douche, guy la douche, or whatever. He's uh, asking on what my opinion on console-specific characters are, um, such as the console characters like Yoda uh, or uh, Darth Vader or Spawn and Heihachi and all that shit. Um, what do you think about that, Mike? Personally, I'm, I'm like you know an arcade purist, so I would say if it comes tournament time. And these characters aren't in our, I mean, arcade. I would say no, but you know, at the same time, I would, I look over at Street Fighter Four when you know the vanilla version, and it's like they had like what fucking half the cast in console version only, and it's like they don't even have that much characters in a uh, the arcade version. So it's kind of interesting because personally, like a game like Tekken, where they're probably gonna if they do, you know, add like console characters, which I hope they don't. Um, it's probably only going to be like one or two characters, so personally, I don't think those characters should be played in tournaments. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, um, in in most cases, I do agree with you. Um, in Soul Calibur 2, when they added Link and Heihachi and Spawn, they were all banned, 
Um, but the reason they were banned is because, you know, it was unfair for someone who was an Xbox player to not have experience with Heihachi, and then someone who was a PlayStation player who, to not have experience with Spawn. Um, that is just a convenient excuse for me, because I think these characters should be banned anyway, because I feel like it damages the integrity of the game, and it makes it look like a joke. And I'm really hoping that Tekken never goes this route, because they haven't gone this route yet. So I'm really hoping that this is not the case um, in the future. And if it does become an issue where like they have console characters, um, I would like to think that the community would band together and uh, just keep these characters out of tournaments. Because it's cool that, you know, you like to play them and stuff, but really it's like, you know, a lot of people disagree with me, A lot of, in, including JOP. He thinks that whatever's in the game goes, he used to think that Jimpachi should be a playable character. <laughs> and, you know, he thinks whatever goes, you know, it's, it's in the game, so it's legit. And there are a lot of people like him, but I personally uh, feel like it would damage the integrity of the game. And, you know, I just, I just don't think... <coughs> <clears throat> I don't think they belong in the game, so... Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully yeah, I, I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Hopefully that won't be an issue, so... Anyway. Um, unless you have anything else to talk about, Mike, uh, I'd like to move on to the interview I had with the Defender... Captain America is what I'm going to call him. <laughs> the Defender of the United States, uh, Mr. Hua, a.k.a. Anakin. Uh, unless you have anything to add, we can move on to that. I mean, I, I kind of have a lot from, like, what the Koreans said at this past MLG, but I don't know how much time we have, so... Oh, we got time. What else What else did they say? Anything interesting? Okay, so basically, Ni had a shit ton of questions for fucking Harada, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, no joke, we had... To, it, it was uh, Ni talk, tra- talking to me, then I had to translate to Michael Murray, then Michael Murray had to translate to Harada, <laughs> and then all the way back to, you know, fucking Ni... And that one question would take, like, 20 minutes, right? Jesus Christ. So, but then it was interesting. He asked a lot of, like, very, uh, very you know, like, game mechanic-specific stuff from, like, DR to VR stuff, you know? He, one, one of the main questions I remember him saying was, like, um, why why is there homing moves in this game, you know? And I was thinking, I was like, why, why would he ask that, you know? Homing moves seems to be a pretty good addition to the game. Right. But he, in... In his opinion, uh, what homing moves do in a, ga- a 3D game like Tekken is uh, it makes a 3D game into a 2D game. That's what he said. Okay. And then when he when he started saying that, I was like, huh? I was like, okay, I understand that. He's like, you can't sidestep or anything. But um, <clears throat> he said before you could, there was other ways to make moves track. You know, you could dash and then pause with the timing of your opponent sidestepping. Uh, you could step the same way that your opponent is sidestepping and then do the move or, you know, there's there's a couple ways to make your moves track. And he was saying, like, that's what made the game more deep. And then now he's saying that the addition of homie moves is just making a 3D game into a 2D game and it's, like, kind of losing the depth in that in that kind of mind game, you know, with the moves tracking or not. Mm-hmm. Well... So, yeah, so I thought that was, like, pretty interesting because... If I could comment on that, I couldn't disagree more with him. Um, I think that homing moves are not universal in this game, and if they were, then it would be, uh, I would agree with him. Like, for example, if every character had Steve's down 4-2 exactly the same way, 
Yeah. And, you know, that would be a different case. But homing moves are very unique in this game. Yeah, every character has a very specific homing move. And there has always been moves in Tekken that track 360. Yeah, he said there was already previous moves like that now, but, you know, adding homing moves to every character. All they they really did by creating a system-wide change of adding homing moves is balance the cast out. You know, there was there was just some characters that did not have moves that track, and now every character does. So I couldn't disagree with him more uh, on this issue. Um, it's it's just a balancing issue, and it's not like they really changed anything other than made some of the characters that had an issue with tracking now they no longer have an issue with tracking and they have an answer. So that's my opinion on it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. It's most certainly not a 2D game either, in terms of movement. Cause yeah, I mean, um, it's interesting. I'm not gonna say like one person is wrong or you know or anything like that because you all play the game differently and Koreans play you know like very heavily movement based too. So maybe you know the, the way they track make moves track is a lot different from the way we make our track moves track and stuff. So. Yeah, so what else? Anything else that uh, you noticed that was interesting? Um, hmm, what did Nin ask? Nin asked if he, if uh, if Namco could finally step up their shit and fucking release a full frame data list. And, huh. and then, because he said, uh, testing out frame data and, you know, applying it to, like, every character and knowing every frame data for every character uh, in a game takes, like, about a year. And then it takes, like, another year to finally apply it to your game, okay, this move is punishable by this move, and then, you know, you get your ranges down and all that kind of stuff, so it's like, it's just, it takes two years just to figure out that kind of simple stuff, Yeah. and by then, there's a new second coming out, so he was like, that's a problem, you know, he's like, if Namco could just release an official frame data list, uh, you know, it would cut down time, and then, you know, the gameplay would, you know, evolve a lot faster, but Gerardo replied to that with, like, um... It's kind of like an RPG game. Um, you know, you don't want to let everyone know all the secrets in the game. You kind of want, you know, have Easter eggs here and there and have people find that out. But uh, at the same time, I don't know which side I, I would go for because at the same time, it's like I kind of do want the full frame data list that, uh, you know, for easy uh, viewing pur- purposes. But uh, at the other time, it's like, you know, it takes forever to, for people to test this out, especially with no record function in practice mode. And you know it just gets it just takes too long. Yeah, it's it's uh that's a very interesting point. I've heard in the past uh, Namco respond to this as uh, their frame data is a commodity and they don't want to release it uh, just to anybody. It's something that's worth a lot to them. And you know I don't know if any of that is legit. Um, there are pros and cons to them re- not releasing the frame data. I feel like. Um, oh, testing is a really good part of a fighting game, and if there is an adequate practice mode, um, I don't think that official frame data is necessary because, as a community, we can all produce uh, just as good, uh, you know, frame data is just as good. Um, so, my personal opinion on that is that I think uh, if they really think that uh, their frame data is a secret, you know, a top secret Easter egg situation where they can't release it to everyone, so be it. But please allow the players, give the players the tools to figure that shit out themselves. Because yeah. 
That's like putting a fucking Easter egg in a game where you have to do something by pushing this button, but the button doesn't exist. So you can never fucking find this Easter egg. You know, it's like, give me a fucking break, dude. You know, so I, I, I will accept that as an answer from them, but uh, I do... Uh, I'm, at this point, I'm putting my fucking foot down, dude. I want to practice mode. If I don't get it, I don't know what I'm going to do. If the next Tekken comes out and there is no legitimate practice mode... I cannot be held for my held responsible for my actions. <laughs> I do not know what I'm gonna do. You know, I'm gonna be pissed. So, and, and I think they're listening, and I think they know what's up. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll we this won't be an issue, and we'll be able to do our own frame data testing. You know, by the time the next Tekken comes out. So, anyway, so yeah, um, it's interesting, interesting stuff from the Koreans. Yeah, I mean there was more, but you know, I think we're running out of time, so we'll move on to. Just as a warning to everyone listening, um, Anakin specifically requested a uh, intro song, and it's some you know seriously black ass shit. It's you know, <laughs> some ATL you know rap music, and I know you guys are usually listening you know used to the metal on this podcast, but you know he defended our country, so he I, I think he deserves uh, to pick his own intro song. So uh, here comes Anakin for you guys. All right, see you guys later. Welcome on a special guest, um, the defender of the United States of America. I'd like to welcome on Hua, aka Anakin. Thanks for coming on, man. Right, no problem, Eris. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a big pleasure. I, I I couldn't be more pleased to have you on. It's funny because a couple months ago, I didn't. Most people didn't even know who you were. It was like, yep. it was like you know, everyone knew who the good players in the U.S. were. Everyone knew who to expect. Uh, on top of uh, the MLG Grand Final, and we're going to talk about that a little later, but before we get into all that, you know, all the excitement uh, last weekend at MLG, I want to get some background history info on you, because as I said in a previous podcast, I thought you were going to be some big-ass black dude, and later I found out you're just a regular-ass Asian dude from Atlanta, and you're fucking everyone up, so give me some history. Where did you come from? When did you start playing Tekken? And who did you learn how to pl- play Tekken with? Alright, well, uh, to begin, you know, I started off when I was about um, 10 or 11 years old. Well, I'm, ni- I'm 19 now, just to let everybody know. Yeah, I started off, my dad took me to the local arcade, and I saw a bunch of guys grouped up around the uh, Tekken machine. So I thought I was hot shit back then. I was like the neighborhood champ or whatnot. Right. So I decided to give it a go. And, you know, pretty much get my head mashed in by uh, top players. The uh, Clint, you know, Jop, back when he was still living in Atlanta. Yep. And all those guys. So, you know, you know, losing <laughs> losing as badly as that would make me want to keep practicing. Go actually look online for some for some tips and shit. And at that point, Tekken 4 was coming out. Okay. So in, in the arcade, I, I started to do uh, things that normal mashers and scrubs wouldn't do. So the guys there, they recognized that, and they, they, they respected that, and called them, they dubbed me Young Anakin, the Chosen One, because, that's, because that new Star Wars movie came out, and yeah. uh, that Phantom 1, yeah. uh, Episode 1, 
That's what they call me, and also they didn't know my name, and that kind of just stuff. You're gonna bring balance to the force of Tekken. Right, they they were like, this guy is gonna grow up one day and be like carrying the ATL flag in the Tekken world. Okay, okay. So you know, like eight years later, here I am. Okay. The prophecy has been fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. So, so your first uh, competitive Tekken was Tekken Four. Tekken Four. Yep. Uh, my actually, actually, my first tournament, I placed second place to uh, Arario, who now who now lives in Cali. Yeah, that is right. Interesting. Also, a very good Jack player, which is another uh, another thing we will ponder later on about how Atlanta produces uh, world champion Jack players. Right. So, so we'll we'll get into that later on. But uh, so your very first uh, tournament was a Tekken Four tournament, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Now, what uh, players do you feel are, I don't know if I should say responsible, but uh, what players taught you how to play, or where uh, where did you learn how to play? Well, it's really the old, old, old school Tekken players. Um, well, where I learned to play was at like a local arcade in, in Atlanta at the mall, back when arcades were still really, really popping. Yeah. But, like, you know, a couple players to, to shout out, you know, of course, um, Clint, everybody knows Clint these days. He's really, he's still a big name even now. Yep. Um, a couple guys you may not know would be like uh, Lil J, Killer Six, a uh, really good bank player. Sounds uh, like a rapper or something to me. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, everybody's got silly names. <laughs> silly names? Yeah. I'm sure they're going to love that comment. Old, old school, the truth. <laughs> oh, the truth. Truth. That's, uh, yeah. that's Jop's. Uh, uh, isn't that Jop's protege? I I heard on the podcast. That's what he that's what he called them. I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Now, also, uh, uh, be, 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 moving on a little bit, I, it's I'm interested in finding out where the hell you came from and stuff. And the thing is, you know you're good. Obviously, you know you're a skilled player. But why is it that you choose not to travel, you know, outside of Atlanta to play in uh, major tournaments? Well, the thing is, like a lot of people may not know this, but back in Tekken DR was when I really started to gain recognition. Right. My father, you know, he's, he's a really big supporter of my gaming, of my gaming very good. hobby. He was actually willing to drive me out of town, some, you know, sometimes out of state to places as far as Miami, you know, making a drive to Miami just to compete. But, like, back in DR was, was when I was really into the game. I didn't have a job. I was still in high school, just a young kid. So I, I had a lot more free time to play back then. But, like, and when Tekken 6 came out, I kind of lost interest. Okay. I started to do other things while still keeping up with the scene because you know you can never I you, I can't really just quit and not ever follow it again because now, it's such is, a great game. Is your loss of interest due to the game itself or is it just because of life changes? I mean, I would say more more of life because I like playing the game. Okay. The game is really fun, so I I blame that all on life stuff. Interesting. So in comparison to previous Tekkens, uh, how would you say Tekken 6 stacks up, in your opinion, <coughs> as far as being a good Tekken? Tekken 6, it's probably the funnest Tekken to play, Interesting. in my opinion. It's really fun. You have a, you have a similar opinion to uh, Thomas Hilfiger. He, he, he uh, really doesn't get to play as much as he would like, but he really thinks it's the funnest Tekken ever. And, I, you know, I, I really uh, I like that, um, especially with, from Tekken players who have played... Uh, at a high level from previous games. It's very interesting. Um, but moving on, I mean, we got to get to this topic because this is, you know, the crazy events that transpired last weekend. In case anyone doesn't know, 
Uh, last weekend was the MLG National Final, and the grand prize... The, last weekend's tournament was was special in many ways, because in the history of Tekken in America, there has never been a tournament with a prize pool that large. There has also been a, there has never been a tournament with a pool of uh, players that were that skilled. We had five Koreans, I believe, one Japanese player, and easily every top player in the country. I mean, the field was so uh, dangerous that, I, I mean, it's amazing how convincingly you won that tournament. So, before we, we get into that stuff, I'm curious... Going into that tournament, what was in what was on your mind? I mean, were you confident? Did you feel like you could take it? What's going on in your head? Well, prior to that tournament, a lot of the guys here really were telling me that I could win, I have a chance at winning, but I really didn't buy into any of that because, you know, I, I didn't really have time to practice. Yeah. I I told myself I wanted to practice, but just I was really disappointed I wasn't able to get any high-quality practice in. So I didn't expect too high. My goal going into that tournament was to make the championship bracket where I could eventually Maybe get top eight, making a little bit of money, you know, okay. working even or something. Right. But, like, the further I got in the tournament, you know, the, the more realistic it seemed that I actually had a chance of winning. Now, let's talk about some of the players you encountered during the tournament. Do you recall what uh, what notable players you had to go through before you got, let's say, to the top eight? Yeah, um, the funny thing is, like, the closest I came to losing was my first match on the Saturday mm-hmm. Uh I was like just getting to the venue and Poke Chop calls me and says, "You're about to be disqualified. You need to hurry." Yeah. Uh, cuz you know, ATL always has a habit of being late. So I I I make like I I I run basically from like across all the way across the street at the other hotel mm-hmm. to the venue and I'm like all out of breath. I said that I play this guy. I'm like, "Who's this guy? I don't know him. Let me just hurry up and beat him." Mm-hmm. But turns out he was actually, you know, a pretty well-known player from San Antonio. I think Mishima Star or something like that. He used Leo. It was definitely not Mishima Star. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Maybe, I, maybe it was like a, you know another name. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know who. Uh, I'm not sure who you're talking about, but Mishima Star is like the legendary Japanese uh, Kazuya player. So I don't think he's there. But <laughs> Mishima um, Style something. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was Mishima Star. I don't know. Uh, there was so many uh, Texas locals that were all pretty solid that it was like you know it was hard to keep track. I met so many people, but. Who else did you play uh, on your way to the top eight? I played uh, Geo. He was the one that was nice enough to put me through into the championship bracket. <laughs> what a and one, once, once there, I got to play. Uh, the first match I played was against Sukin User. Interesting, interesting. And how did that match go? Well, co- playing him, I felt really confident because I kind of dominated him in uh, DC. That's right. You played him last time. Yeah, so I, I was really confident, but... He really. It, it was also a close match. I had to pull that one. It was a close match. And after that, I think I had to play NYC Fab, who put me in losers. In, pretty convinced. In, in DC, DC put me uh, in losers. Okay, okay. So uh, going into this match, uh, knowing that he had put you in losers last time, what what was going on in your head? I mean, did you have a game plan? Did you have to adjust? Um, oh, well, up until that point, I was 0 and 2 against him in tournaments. He's okay. probably, in my opinion, one of the top five players in America. Okay. And um I just had to remember what he what he did against me last time and I, I told myself I'd make the proper adjustments. So at this point you were at what level in the tournament? Probably 
I think in order in order to make money, I would have had to beat Fab, which helped, my, which helped my confidence going into the match as well. Okay, that's good. And was your next match against Core? No, no, no. After Core, I had to play Nin. Ah, that was the magic. That was the where magic. the magic was going to happen. Uh, I remember going up to you before you played Nin, and I remember you saying that Nin is the one you want, Nin is the one you're comfortable against, and you know you could beat Nin. Um, explain to me why why that was the case. Well, my whole thing is that, like, I don't play this game much, and, you know, one of the things I can rely on is my knowledge of characters who have been in previous games. You know, Steve... There, there, there aren't that many new things about Steve that yeah. I can I can lose to. Like Steve is basic, and uh, when it comes to just playing solid against someone else playing solid, yeah. I just felt like um, my style was was good against Nin style because Nin, when he plays, it seems like he doesn't really respect any of the American players, which is really good because he's always swinging, yeah. giving everybody trouble. That's what I noticed. And I felt like my defense was just good enough to stop him. Yeah, well, let me tell you, watching you play Nin, I was, uh, you know, the crowd was very hype, and I was standing next to Eddie Pistons and Porkchop. It was like, I mean, it was like the craziest shit-talking Oreo cookie of all time. <laughs> These two brothers were just, like, so loud and crazy, and I was just laughing my ass off, and... It was so hype. I mean, you were convincingly beating Nin, and everyone was just, like, blown out of their mind, you know? So it was very hype. I mean, it was very exciting. You proceeded to beat Nin, moved on to Core. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Cool. And you, man, that's, that's another thing, because Core, I mean, is a really strong player, and, you know, everyone knows that. He's very consistent. He, he does really well. But, man, you just completely obliterated Core. I mean, it was like, I, I, I think there was one match, or one round, actually, where he won, where you were just smiling. Like, you were like, and I know, you know, I've talked to you, and I'm talking to you right now, you're a humble guy, but, man, you just look like a total dick. <laughs> just like, yeah, this... Dancing like, around in my seat. <laughs> I remember that. Around on me, no, no big deal, whatever. I remember. I believe that shit, dude. It was crazy. It was very... Very impressive. I was I was very impressed. So you beat Core. Uh, he goes down to losers bracket, and then you the next match is Core again, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was the that was the end of that. And you know, uh, man, I, I have to congratulate you. I already congratulated you before, but man, it was a very convincing. Uh, like I said, considering the uh, caliber of this tournament in several different ways, it was a very convincing win, and it was just really impressive. I, I mean. Everyone's yeah, you can you can also forget the uh, the next day, you know, Team Vietnam. Vietnam. Yeah, that's another thing. I actually <laughs> left. I actually left. I wasn't there because I had to come back and I wanted to catch the finals of SoCal Regionals, which was a mm-hmm. fighter tournament. But from what I hear, you OCV Team Korea the next day. I mean, these guys are gonna go back to Korea like, what the hell happened to our asses? You know, they're not gonna oh. be able to sit down after this shit. You know? Yeah. So. Well, I mean, what's your explanation? I mean, what's going on? Why are you fucking up all the Koreans, dude? Man, it was just like a uh, like a fun day for me. You know, I just I just got I'm fresh off the victory. Yeah. You know, I'm doing silly stuff like making Vietnam shirts, Vietnam flags, <laughs> just to hang out and have fun on Sunday. You know, but who? I don't know what happened. I, I guess I was playing more loose, and when I'm playing loose, I consider myself to be a really dangerous player. 
Wow, that's interesting, man. I mean, uh, yeah, I heard about that. I was like, what the fuck? That's crazy. These these poor Koreans, dude, they come over here thinking, like, yo, America's free, and then all of a sudden this fucking, like, defender of the U.S. comes out of Atlanta and just fucking <laughs> kicks the shit out of every foreign player that comes by. Jesus Christ. Cut him some slack, dude. Poor guys. They're, they're good guys, man. They're good. No, no, they're all real cool guys, and they're all, you know, you know, I have a lot of fun with them. Jop was scaring the shit out of those poor Koreans, telling them that they're fucking up his bathroom and stuff. It was really, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. But I'm curious, you know, let's talk a little bit about Tekken, you know, because right. I know you love the game, and I know you know enough about the game to be the best in the country, if not the world, at this moment. So. Uh, let's talk about who you think the top five in this game are. Uh, what is your opinion? Because watching you play has kind of changed my opinion on who top five is. Now, I'm going to let you go ahead and tell me who, to- who is top five. Top five, in my opinion, you know, I, mean, I actually made a list before the interview, you know, evaluating. But uh, my top five, in order, okay. would be uh, number one, I have Bob. Number two, I have Law. Number three, I have Steve. And I have Lars at four with Miguel at five. Really, Miguel? Miguel. Uh, character elaborate. Most of the most of your top five is pretty uh, common in terms of what other people would answer, except for Miguel. Now, why do you think Miguel is uh, <coughs> high on that list? Well, I think in, I I put Miguel in instead of you know what people would normally say like maybe Brian or like a Mishima, because Miguel is like he has. Everything you know, Bob, for instance, he's missing a good launcher. Right. Well, um, you know, Steve miss, misses. He's missing a good launcher. But Miguel, he has like every. He has pokes. He has lows. He has mids. He has crushes. A really good hop kick. You know, he even has like another. He has even. He even has another stance. Yeah. So I think like he's a complete character in terms of Tekken. You know, he has it all. Now, if I were to play devil's advocate with you, I would say that Miguel's biggest weakness is that his damage doesn't add up as fast as the other characters because the smartest, safest way to play him is very carefully with pokes, low pokes, and uh, down forward one and stuff. And when you play that way, that the damage doesn't stack up as fast as the other characters. I personally think he is very good, but because of that, I feel like... He just falls short of maybe top, I don't know, top seven or eight because of that. But, I mean, you don't think that's an issue? I mean, you could just play through it? I don't think it's an issue. I would say, like, um, his pokes add up, like Jack's pokes add up. His pokes add up as well. And when he does manage to get a combo, he can, he can get half-life without a wall. You know, and even even on the wall, he'll he'll get that extra 20 to 30%. That is, that is true. Followed by Oki. So, although he doesn't get as much damage, he doesn't get that much less, in my opinion. And he, uh, as far as I know, he has a very strong backdash as well, so that does right. add up too. Uh, interesting. Well, uh, I noticed you said that his pokes add up like Jack's pokes, and I wanted to personally call you an asshole, because <laughs> pokes are like forward, forward one. That's not a poke. That's like a fucking 50%. Dude, I was watching you play this shit, and I was sitting next to Slips, right? And I'm talking about what your gameplay does to Tekken. And I made an analogy. And the analogy was, it's like, let's say you were trying to make some stew, right? And you have all the meat and all the carrots and potatoes and all that shit. And then you add the broth. 
and that shit comes to a simmer, right? The simmering on top, all the bubbles, that's like everyone else in Tekken. All the setups and gimmicks and new characters and tech traps and all that shit. But when you're playing, you reduce that shit down to the meat and potatoes. And all you really do, if you simplify your game, is just hit them where they're not blocking. And that shit is such a beautiful sight to see. Because... No shenanigans, no, no yeah, tricks. No shit at all. I mean, you simply look at your opponent and just... If they're standing up, you're going to do fucking full cross down back one. If they're ducking, you're going to do forward, forward one. I mean, just you simplify that shit. And it's so amazing seeing these people who are expert level players and they just have no answer. It's like, what am I going to do about this shit? You're not going to do anything. You're going to fucking lose. And it's, it's just really, it was really impressive uh, watching that. It was, it was really crazy. Is that pretty, am I right? Did I hit the nail on the head with uh, your play style? Yeah, you did. You did. Uh, my style, I think, it's it's really offense orientated. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, since I don't know much about the game, yeah. I try as hard as I can to constantly swing and be in your face. So I don't I don't I don't have to worry about what they're gonna do to me, because then I won't know what the fuck's going on when I'm when I'm on defense. But then I I also have a pretty good defense too that I can rely on in the event that. Yeah, I I noticed that as well. You seem like the type of player who. You have very good uh, experience in terms of movement, so you can space really well, and you know your attacks really well. So based on your own attacks and spacing, you're able to defend with that. And I was just, I was really, me and, I was I was watching next to Slips and Mr. Naps, and we were just talking about how, like, you know, maybe someone who, who can't, comes into this game and isn't really that, that high level at Tekken, may think like, oh, you know, this is boring, right? It's, this is like, what is this guy doing? But we were watching you, like, it was just like a fucking amazing, we were just amazed, like, how much, how interesting it was, the way you were succeeding with Jack, and it was just like, against people like, you know, Nin, he's like an encyclopedia of Tekken, so it was just really, really interesting seeing you dominate. Um... That brings me to ask you, who do you think the best players in the country and in the world that you've played are? Well, the best player in the country... Well, I don't keep up with the world Tekken scene. Well, have you played? Have you played? Right, right. Out of, out of everybody I've played. I was really... I'm really impressed with Just Ram James. Okay. He's my, he's my favorite player to watch, Just Ram James. But as far as the best in the country... God, I can't even think right now, but... I could, I probably could give you a few names. Yeah, please do. May, maybe not in order, mm-hmm. but um, I'd probably say Fab is up there. You know, Just Frame James. I would say um, Core, obviously, due to his consistency. Uh-huh. When um, I guess that's a fair representation. I'm really impressed with Bronson too. Like he's he's an expert of the game. Yeah, Bronson and, uh, is uh, something really unique. Uh, but I do agree. He is one of the best in the country. I put Bronson up there, too. Yeah, interesting. Definitely. I was definitely scared to play him in the tournament. Yeah. Good thing I didn't have to. Yeah, you played him at the last one, right? Yeah, in DC. That. Man, that was, he fucked up so many times in that one. But Anyway, what about the Korean guys? In what order do you feel like their skill level is at? With the Koreans, I only got to play Nenny and Homan. I never got to play Adong and JDCR, Rain and all those guys. Of those three that you played, who do you think? What do you think the pecking order is? 
Well, I, I did I did best against Whole Man, and then I did worse against Knee. Interesting. So it goes Knee, Nin, then Whole Man. Interesting. But I hear Whole Man doesn't really play anymore, so... Yeah, that's what I've been hearing, too. I heard kind that of unfair. Since, yeah, since Evo, I heard he kind of went over to uh, World of Warcraft, I guess, so... I don't know. I don't know what to tell you about that, but... Yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I'm very surprised. I mean, you you really fucked everyone up. So it was it was it's really interesting hearing about that shit. But um, I'm curious: Are there any plans for you to either continue playing uh, Tekken or traveling to future tournaments, or are you going to retire, or how is it going to work? Oh, there's no way I'm going to retire. You know, <laughs> especially after one of this caliber. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've been t- I was actually talking to a sponsor last night, Check Six okay. Gaming. Very good. Just Rain James sponsor and um, we was just we were just talking, but I, it was they were really showing interest in me. So we'll see how that goes. You know, I'm open to being sponsored right now. I'm a free agent. <laughs> <All right. laughs> it'd be ni- it'd be nice to get some expenses covered. Yeah, for sure. Get some recognition out there. If anyone but, in the country deserves it, it's you. But uh, I mean, I'm sure without a doubt you're gonna you're gonna cat- pick up a sponsor and uh, it's gonna work out for you. Um, now the, the last one of the last things I wanted to talk about is you mentioned earlier uh, you brought up Arario, and he was at the time pretty like pretty convincingly the best in the country. He won Evolution pretty handily, and then after that he retired. And he originally was from Atlanta, and you know he was a Jack player. And now you're from Atlanta and you're a Jack player. What the fuck are you guys eating? What's in the water down there in the south? What's the thing? Yeah, we just we just gotta play the the most massive and manly character known in the game. You know, Paul Phoenix. Everybody in Atlanta knows Paul Phoenix. That used to be that used to be the Jack of Atlanta. You know, Jop. He's from Atlanta too. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, one of the best Tekken tag players of all time. Right. He he also played Jacks. Jacks. Uh, Paul Ogres. Then we had a Tekken Four dominance from Jackie Tran. It seems like we're just producing champions. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You guys have been a very uh, successful region for a really long time, since as long as I can remember. So yeah, it's like one little, that's a little known fact about Atlanta. You know, the new players into the scene, they just see like Poke Chop and they think that, you know, we're just now getting into it. But <laughs> if you look back at the history, we used, we used to be quite, quite okay. Yeah, that's absolutely like, true. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely true. Actually, if you look back, uh, Jackie Tran won Evolution one year, mm-hmm. and then Arario, who was originally from Atlanta, won another evolution, and, you know, we have J.O.P., who was, a, you know, probably the best in the country, at least for a, a period of time, and then now we have you, who has won MLG, which is easily the biggest uh, Tekken tournament in the history of America, so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm surprised, you know, it's like, wow, you know, you can't ignore Atlanta at this point, you know, you guys really produce... You guys produce champions. I'm 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 very impressed with that. And overall, to wrap things up, it's a tradition. You gotta call someone a bitch, dude. It, <laughs> you gotta call someone a bitch. It, it's at least one person. You can call out as many people as you want. I will extend this interview to as long as it needs. To. <laughs> but at oh. least one person. You gotta call someone a bitch. Call someone out. Uh, you know that that's the rule. Uh, I don't think those guys deserve any recognition at this <laughs> point. You know, all, all those haters. You know, all the, I would call all the haters that that you know I've been saying all those negative negative things. All these negative things. Specific. It doesn't. This all those haters shit that does not work. You gotta say someone's name. I gotta say someone's name. Tell them they are a bitch. They are a bitch. 
Well, I guess nothing personal, but the real law, man. You're probably the biggest bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably the biggest bitch. I mean, you make New York look bad, dude. I respect all of the New York guys so much, but it's just it's hard to take New York seriously at times because of the things that you because of the things that you say, man. You know, like everybody's cool, everybody's nice and all, but then you you'll read a post by the real law. And then you you want to like quit attacking or something like that? <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I don't really follow the forums too much anymore. <laughs> um, but I'm very uh, pleased that you picked someone that everyone knows and that you were man enough to say <laughs> you're a bitch. Not many people do that. You are definitely a man. You are worthy of uh, the Jack Six character. Not, <laughs> not many people have the balls to just say one person's name that is not, like, a close friend of theirs and just be like, yo, you're a bitch. So I'm very impressed with you, sir. Congratulations again on you, uh, you. on your uh, big win. It's uh, definitely something that will be in the history books of Tekken, definitely, especially because of the uh, Koreans. Um, and on a side note, I overheard, because this is the first time um, JDCR and Adung came to America. They had only heard about Americans and stuff, and I overheard them saying that they're really surprised at how good America is, and like they were. I think they're gonna go back spreading the word that like America is hella good at Tekken. Oh, so, yeah, that's really interesting if you think about it because you know that's really impressive because they're gonna go back to Korea saying how good America is, and I, you know, that's I don't think that's ever happened before, so. Uh, I uh, once again con congratulate you, and I appreciate you coming on the show. And before you uh, leave, if there's anything else, anyone you want to shout out or anything you want to say, message to people listening, feel free. Uh, you know, of course, I gotta give a big shout out to all of the Atlanta Tekken players who have uh, supported me, told me congratulations. You know, it makes the victory that much sweeter. You know, the prizes and er and everything that they were great, but coming back to Atlanta. Hearing all the good words, all the good things everybody had to say, kind of real, really put the, the cherry on top of everything. And also, you know, my friends who who don't really play Tekken, you know, they they were they were supporting me as well, which is, uh, you know, without without them, I don't think I could have. Well, I I gotta tell you, man, for for someone who's from Atlanta and so convincingly won this major tournament. I do not understand why you are such a humble and uh, you're such a gentleman. What the fuck? You should <laughs> what the fuck? You should totally be a dick. Do I need to be an asshole just for this interview? No, you don't need to. And <laughs> this is a very interesting to me, but I'm very surprised. You're a very humble champion, and I don't think the world is ready for a champion like you. <laughs> every every champion Tekken player in the history of Every champion fighting game player in the history of fighting games has always been a huge dick. And you're over here like, you know, I'd like to thank my father for driving me. And, like, it's like, wow, this guy is really humble. You know, I'm, I'm impressed with you, sir. You're a champion. Thank you, thank you. You know, it's a really important quality to have when I, you're a competitor, I believe. I do agree, I do agree. Humility. Shit talk is, is I don't know. I, it's, I'm impressed with you, man. You're a, you're a humble guy. And I really, really hope to see you in future tournaments. And Check Six Gaming or whoever it is would be fucking stupid if they didn't sign you. I'm, oh. about, to, I'm about to sponsor you right now, dude. 
I, oh, that's that's nice. Avoiding the puddle. Yeah, I'm about a- ATP Anakin. Exactly, <clears throat> dude. That's what I'm saying, dude. So I really appreciate you coming on, and I really look forward to seeing your future in the Tekken scene. And right. good luck in any future tournaments you have, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. For sure. Take it easy, brother. All right.